So as I, as I was stood here earlier, I, I was praying about, Lord, what do you want to say? I know I'm going to say to the two o'clock service, but I didn't really know what to say to you guys. And, uh, and then a scripture popped into my mind. And it was like, okay, I know where we're going now. So, so if you turn with me to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. And today we're going to be, I, I guess today's sermon is going to be one people, many cultures. One people, many cultures. Because, as you all know, our two o'clock service has really, most weeks, is now hitting capacity. Our evening service hasn't really worked and didn't really grow, because I guess most people just don't want to do an evening service. That's why every other church in the universe doesn't do evening services. You thought I'd have clottened on by now, but it didn't. You know. And then the morning services, you know, were struggling a bit. So we've moved the evening to the morning as well, so that they've merged together. Uh, and, but I want to talk about the, the kind of cultural values that we want to set. Okay, because living word does have some cultural values. And I want us all to enjoy those cultural values, but explain what maybe some of them are as well. Things that we try to, we, we want and things that we don't want. Um, so if you turn to Ezekiel 37, verses 15 to 19. Because you see, God wants his people want. He doesn't want them broken, fragmented, schismatic. We, we're this group and we're that group. We don't want any of that. It says, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, take a stick and write on it for Judah and the people of Israel associated with him. Then take another stick and write on it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim and all the house of Israel associated with him and join them one to another into one stick that they may become one in your hand. And when your people say to you, will you not tell us? What you mean by these things and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am about to take the stick of Joseph that is in the hand of Ephraim and the tribes of Israel associated with him. And I will join with it the stick of Judah and make them one stick that they be one in my hand. Okay, so this obviously has wider implications than just us guys. But you've got your evening service. It was one stick. And then you've got your morning service is the other stick. And uh, we've got to put those sticks together so they become one stick. Do I get an amen? amen. Hallelujah. So that's, that's where we're going to start from today. Now, I want to just flip over now to John 17. This prayer of John, sorry, of Jesus in, in John, is a very, very important one. And specifically verse 21. Um, John 17 and verse 21. And Jesus is praying to his father. He says that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And it reminds me of that other scripture in John 13, 35, which says, by this love that you have for one another, the world will know that you are my disciples. I think sometimes, don't we, we let ourselves down a bit when we, uh, for those that do it, um, get on Facebook and have a rant. And you get other Christians having a rant and they're all having a little rant and disagreeing. And oh, I don't agree with this. Some of you are looking at me like, what's Facebook? But, uh, <laughs> you know, but for those that know what I'm talking about, and it, it, it's not a good witness it's not a good witness when Christians bicker and fight and argue. Okay, it's it's one of the it's it's one of the things that the world looks to the to the to the saints and says, you know, you need to be different, and you need to show me 
that if you say that God is real and you love God and you believe in God, then it must affect you so much that it changes you so that I can witness this in you as a people group. Because as a people group, we are very diverse. You know, we've got young, we've got older, uh, we've, uh, we've, got, uh, we've got black, we've got white, uh, we've got um, you know, rich people, not so rich people, people from well-educated backgrounds, people with not so educated backgrounds, people from different church backgrounds, different streams, different denominations uh, within Living Word. But what we've got to do is we've got to learn to make it work and be nice and friends with each other. So one of the things that my wife has worked at very hard over the years is that we don't do cliques. Okay, we don't do cliques. We don't do, well, this group only believe what I believe in, so we're just gonna huddle together over here. We don't do uh, things where it's like, well, those people, they, you know, they're like me, and well, I just wanna huddle with them and stuff. So you get these fragmented little groups that have, only, that have all their own little self-interest. Now, there's nothing wrong with interest-based groups. But it's, it's like what we want to do is make sure that we're not becoming inclusive and exclusive. Amen. That is dangerous. And it's slowly but surely you take a family unit and you start fragmenting and breaking it up. And that is not God's will. You take a look at Jesus' 12 disciples. Okay, You had one guy, he's a tax collector for the Roman government. Two of the other guys are zealots that want to kill the Romans and overthrow the Roman Empire. Okay, how do you reckon those those guys got on? You know, we, what we like to do is we like to ghettoize ourselves into our comfortable crowds. Do we not? I strongly urge you, in the name of Christ, do not do that, because although it might be easy, you see, the biggest growing churches in the world are monocultured churches because everyone sits there and we all just believe what we believe. Eh? That's, not what, that's not what Christ came to do. He didn't come to make you all. You must only believe this in exactly the same way as I prescribe. That's unity. That's unison. That is not unity. That is not unison. That's communism. Amen. God wants you to be individual in the context of the corporate body of Christ. And that means there are going to be some people that are going to annoy that person over there. It's going to annoy that person over there. But they're friends with that person who gets on really well with that person. So together, we can all get along and love one another. I remember there was this guy once. Uh, I won't mention his name. But uh, he, he was a pastor and he had a, a big growing problem in his church. And so they had, had a, a, an evening. I think it was just one service a day is all that they had. And so they were at capacity. And, and so this is kind of like another side to the coin as well. And, and, he, and he said, right, we need to run two services now. But they were like, well, you're going you're gonna to split up this community that we've got here. But he had to be quite blunt with them and said, well, what's more important, that you have your cozy little huddle or that we grow the church? Ouch. Yeah. You see, you might think, or say, well, actually, you and I, are all, whether you like it or not, missional. And how you live and how you don't live implies the mission. So if your mission is, our mission is, we're just going to huddle together in our own little favourite group because all, we all believe what we believe, that is not, that. what kind of mission, what kind of message is that giving out to the wider church? And what kind of mission and what kind of message is that giving out to the non-body of Christ. 
You see, the nature of the body of Christ is that the Bible says, bear with one another in love. In other words, you're all different. Put up with it. But don't ghettoize yourself into, let's just huddle into our own little community groups where we believe what we believe. That is not godly. That is not right. And that's where denominationalism comes from. Well, we're this, and we're this group, and we're this group, and we're that group. That's not what Jesus modelled. When he picked the 12 disciples, sure, they were all Jewish. But look at the zealots compared to the tax collector, compared to Peter, who was like a, what they call a blue-collar worker, etc. And then and you've got the intelligent guys, who are the white-collar workers. He put them all together in the same group to work together. He didn't, he didn't say, okay, guys, what I'll do is I'll have 12 disciples, we'll have a bunch of zealots, and that'll be, we'll have all 12 zealots. Or he didn't do, let's all have like 12 tax collectors, people that are very pro-Roman Empire. Uh, he didn't have people that were all white-collar workers or all blue-collar workers. What do I mean by that? Blue-collar is like, you know, sort of industrial-type work, fishermen and all those kind of things. And, blue, and white-collar people are the people that work in the office and do all the admin and the clever people, okay? He didn't, he didn't separate them out like that. He put them all in the same mixic melting pot and said, guys, we gotta, we're going to change the world together. Not in our own little mono subcultures. And so that guy, that pastor, he said it was better that the church move to a have two services, even though it kind of broke that kind of nicely cozy knit community because the mission of the church far exceeded people's comfort zones. Is this a hard message for you, some, for, for some of us? Because, because we all want to settle down with people that we really like in our comfort zones, but that's not what Jesus has said to do. Jesus has said, no, this is not how it's going to be. You're going to go out and find the lost, and some of them are going to be people that you don't want to hang around with. When I first got saved, I was a person you didn't want to hang around with. Isn't that right, John? Yes. yes. He said, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I really wasn't. But, you know, but it was as people loved me, people that would not naturally want to, to, to like a person like me, as people brought me under their wing and discipled me and trained me and, and, and helped me, it changed me and it changed my perspective. I wasn't ghettoized into a, a monoculture of just hang around with my own kind because that's dangerous and it causes divisions and it causes church splits and it causes partisan spirit. It is not healthy for the church to do that. Hallelujah. Israel, one nation, but 12 tribes. Do you think all those 12 tribes were exactly the same as each other? I mean, we can take the, the tribe of Judah and compare it to the tribe of Levi. Good, that's a good example, because they, they could have two opposite type of tribes. They have a different culture. You have the, the, Judah, the guys from Judah is like, hey, we're the kings and queens around here. We've got great ancestry. We've got great blood. We've got a great heritage. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And also the Messiah is coming from our bloodline. I mean, you know, these guys, I mean, but then you have the Levites, right? And their tribe. Well, it's like, well, that may be all right for you, but our inheritance is the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, we get to do stuff. We get to minister. We get to carry all the holy articles and, and help with the sacrifices. Well, my point is, is there were two very different cultures, but they were still only one people. There's nothing wrong with being different but what's wrong is when you're different and you ghettoize your differences. What's right is that we come together as a body. Let's look at another scripture whilst, uh, you're right, whilst we're on this, on this, this uh, track. And this is in Philippians chapter 2. 14, yeah, just verse 14. <laughs> oh, this is one of my favorites. I often say this one to myself. 
Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Have I got any grumblers in the house today? There's a few putting their hands. Oh, I don't like this and I don't like that. I don't like the way you do this and I don't like the way we do that. The Bible says do all things without grumbling and complaining. In other words, there's a better way of doing things without grumbling and complaining. Okay, let's not tear the body apart. Let's build the body together. Let's build it up, not tear it down. If you've got a concern, then sure, share it. But don't tear people down. Don't tear things down because I don't like the way we've done it. And this is not how we did it. It's like we've got to build the church and establish the church and build one another in love. Because let me tell you something. Many years ago, when I first took over Living Word, because I didn't plant Living Word, I planted the Fairham one. And what happened was the original Living Word guy, he eventually retired and we took it over. So um, what happened was, is they had an AGM. Okay. And uh, after this, I banned them forever. I was never going to have another AGM ever again because of this. Right. So... I had an AGM and I was driving to this AGM and I, and I had my iPad and my, my, my suit jacket on with the, with the you know, things on the arms there because I was a pastor, right? That's what pastors look like. And I was, I was very new to it all. And I had on my iPad because I was very trendy. Uh, all the things that God had done that year, you know, baptisms, salvations and stuff across the two churches. Uh, but then in the car, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, yeah, you're going to have to prepare yourself because they, they, they just don't care what you're going to say tonight. All they're going to do is moan at you. And I was like, wow. And so, sure enough, got in, read through the wonderful things that I'd said that night. Bear in mind, in this AGM were some brand new Christians, or a new Christian, sorry, a new Christian. And, uh, and then for the next 45 minutes, they all just had a good old moan, gripe, complain. Why did you do communion like this? And why did you do it like that? And, and, and some people were just getting really angry and, and all sorts of things to the point where that one Christian who's a new believer thought, well, if this is what Christians are like, I'm done with this. Wow. And, and afterwards, the, 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 someone came up to me and said, well, that was a really good AGM tonight, wasn't it? And thinking that, you know, he said, you handled that very well. He said, sometimes that it's really bad. And I'm like, what? You're allowing this kind of culture in the church of God, you're allowing people to grumble and complain and shout and cause offence to new believers who then drifted away. What kind of culture are we setting here? So, AGM, in case you're wondering why we don't have AGMs, that's why. They're banned. I'm never doing another one ever again. If you want to know what we're spending our money on, go on the website, look, search under our charity number, you get a breakdown. All the accounts, you can see everything you need to see. How much I'm getting paid, how much money goes out to wherever, and what charities we're supporting, all that stuff. You see it all on there. But we're not doing AGMs, because we're not doing the whole... I mean, I know one church where like one guy, you know, it was like saying to the pastor, he saw him come out of a pizza place. He said, oh, this is where my tithe's going to then, is it? That's like, what? What kind of a culture are we setting here? We want to set a culture of joy. We want to set a culture of, of uh, we're different, but we're, but we're working this through together. Because families are the same, right? You don't get everyone in a family who's exactly the same as the other kid. I wish it was like that sometimes, but, but they're not. They're all just completely different, aren't they? So if that's true, and that's how God has designed it in the nuclear family, so to speak, then why do we try to resist that in the church? I'm just going to hang around with the old guys. I'm just going to hang around with the young guys. I'm just going to hang around with the people that believe what I believe. That is not 
how God has created your own family. So why are you artificially trying to create something that isn't actually the way God designed it? I know it's easier. It is easier to deal with, hang, hang around with people who are of like mind. And there is a place for it, obviously. But, it's, but if that becomes your thing and your identity at the expense of everybody else, then Houston, we have a problem. John 13, 35, I said it earlier. By this love that you have for one another, the world will know that you're my disciples. The greatest mission of the church is not just about, because we have been given a great commission, haven't we, to go out into the nations and preach the gospel, etc. But I like what St. Uh, Francis of Assisi said. He said, at all times, preach the gospel, and if you have to, use words. In other words, he said your lifestyle should be the, should be the most vocal thing that, that you do. Your, your lifestyle should scream and shout your faith. When I went to music college many years ago, um, one of the things that I learned from being in the room with these amazing lecturers, and they were, all, they were all famous in their own right, was not what came out of their mouth, but how they played. Because you're there to learn. Right? So they give you the technique and they tell you all the theory and all this kind of stuff. But I learned more from watching those players up close, seeing how that they were using their fingers and how that they were using their plectrum and their other hand stuff. Uh, uh, that's what I learned. In other words, their actions spoke louder than what they were teaching us. And so as believers, your actions need to speak louder than what comes out of your mouth. Amen. Because more often than not, what comes out of our mouth might sound great, might sound holy, might sound very pious and zealous and aren't we radical for Jesus. But the reality is, is your life is not speaking louder than your actions. I think personally that your life must speak, sorry, not louder than your actions, but your actions must speak louder than your voice. We all speak a lot. We all like to think we're something that we're not. We all like to big ourselves up and speak this and speak that. But actually, no. Let your, let your demeanor, let your lifestyle, let the love that you have for one another be the gospel that you preach. Because people see it. You know, I, I, I've done things where I've done, gone up to people and just done random acts of kindness. You know, just done some things here and there um, on complete strangers in the street. Okay? And, and the, the, the impact that has on them is more profound than me going up to them ramming the gospel down their throat. Because it, not that I'm saying there's not a place to, you know, get on the street corner and shout about Jesus, because, the, you know, the, the, I guess there's always a place for that. But actually it's relationship and, and the kindness of Christians and the witness we are amongst ourselves. Because if we can't behave with each other, then what on earth are we attracting them to? Because, you see, we're attracting them to Christ. Now, what is Christ and who is Christ? The church is the body of Christ. So we're attracting people to encounter Jesus through his church, his body. And if his church are all fighting and bickering and we don't do this and we don't do that and I don't agree with you and I don't agree with you and I don't like the way that you do this and I don't like the way that... What? I could get that at a social club. I could go to the pub and get that. I'd go to the pub and meet my mates who support the same football team. We can ghettoise ourselves and just be a really rowdy lot. That is not church. Yeah? It's like I know some Christians go, I met with, I met with a friend today at a cafe. That was church. No, that's two Christians getting together having a cup of coffee. That's not church. Hallelujah. I'm being deliberately offensive today and sarcastic because, uh, because I want us to really think and be challenged 
about how is it that we're doing our lives? How is it that we're doing church? What is it that in this new congregation now, because that's what you are, it's like we've wiped the slate clean and we've, we've become a new congregation literally overnight. It's like, we're going to do this right. Amen. And we're going we're gonna to keep the focus on the right thing. We can get so focused on the externals and on the secondary issues. But the most important thing to remember and what the most focal point of every church should be is one person and one person only. Not the pastor, not the worship bands. There's only one rock star in this church and his name's Jesus. Amen. And he is the main thing. And that must be the focus, not secondary issues. Or I prefer this style of worship, or I prefer that style of preaching, uh, or, or I prefer this kind of theology. No, Jesus is the main thing. He is the superstar of this church. And God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son. And Jesus says, he said it in, John, in 1 John, he says, you know, God, well, I'll go, go, I'll go to it now. John, 1 John 4 Verse 7. 1 John 4, verse 7, which says, Beloved, that's you lot, us lot, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows him. Now, let's carry on. Uh, where are we? Oh, yeah. Verse eight. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, if I move it down to verse 16, it says, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Know the love of God. Well, the love God is love. The love of God is not some kind of random thing. It's a part of his character. It is essential to God's identity. It is who he is. God is love. And therefore, if we are truly loving one another, it's easy, as Jesus said, it's easy to like, like your Gentile friends, you know. It's easy to like people that believe what you believe, isn't it? It's easy to hang around with people your own age and stuff like that. We all have. It's easy for me to hang out with some leaders because we all know, we all identify with each other because like, gosh, you know, we all go through the same old nonsense as, as the other leaders do. It's easy to live like that. But that's not how Christ has called us. He's called us to love one another. And the word therefore love, where it says God is love, is God is agape, which means the sacrificial giving love that's not based on uh, what is reciprocated back to you. It's not based on what you're going to get out of this transactional relationship. It's purely based on a sacrificial self-giving love, irrespective of the individual to whom it's being given to. And so... As the scripture said, freely you've received, now freely you give. In other words, if we have received the agape of God, now therefore distribute it out to everybody else. And yes, it is easier to distribute agape to those people of our natural affinity with. But actually, God wants you to give agape love to everyone. Because this is what James warns the church about. Why are you showing favour to the rich man, but the poor man, you say, hey, yeah, sit here by my feet. That's not revealing the agape of God. That's not revealing God's diversity and God's equality in the body of Christ. I don't like using those terms because the social world has turned those things into really quite innocuous and not innocuous, but quite negative words for us as Christians. But nevertheless, God is an inclusive God. You know, 
And therefore, we need to be a bit more inclusive. And what do I mean by inclusive? Like I've been saying all morning, hang around with some people that are younger than you, older than you, that don't necessarily believe what you believe. Yeah, Because that's the easy thing. We can all do that. But that's not what God wants us to do. It's not what he's called us to do. He's challenged us to love the unlovable. Because in doing that, that reveals the love of God. And it's that that's what's going to become attractional to the world when they see people that are very different loving one another. You know, yesterday we, we, we were invited to go around to this lady's house. And uh, they, you know, beautiful people, but really different. You know, I mean, really, really, really well-spoken people that, that know people in, you know, just, well, whatever. And then, and then there's like an artist on the table. And then, then there's me and Trace with my kids. Okay, just completely different people from different backgrounds. And, and, in, and in the world, you probably wouldn't get on with each other because, like, well, you're not hanging out with my kind of crowd of people. But that's, not, that's what I love about the body of Christ. It shouldn't be like that. It's not like that. It's that beautiful diversity that we're all different, yet we all share a commonality, which is Christ. It must be Christ is the commonality, not our theologies. It must be Christ is the commonality, not our favourite styles of worship music. It must be Christ is the commonality, not the people who are the same age as us. Christ must be the thread that binds us. That communion that we took today is the very thing that binds us together. We are one body, but we're many different members, but we are one body in Christ. And guess what? We are one body with Christ not just in this room, but with all the other Christians across Great Britain and all the Christians in Africa and Malaysia and all those Christians in heaven as well. That when we take this communion, we're partaking in the communion of the saints. Hallelujah. We commune, we're communing with, with Christ. We're communing with the body on the earth, the church militant, and we're communing with the saints in heaven, the church glorified. That is one body but made up of lots of different people from different cultures, from different walks of life. But we are, the commonality is not what we believe. The commonality is not the people we hang around with or the type of church we attend. The commonality is Christ. That is the thread that binds us. Bind us together, Lord, bind us. I won't go there. Some of the older ones will just start going with it. We'll go in a big round and we'll never get out of it. We'll be stuck in it forever. Hallelujah. That's pretty much all I want to say today. I know it's a strong word, but actually I'm just trying to encourage us all that Christ wants his church one. And, and you know what? We've done a great job at not allowing that to happen by ghettoizing the church. Well, we're all Anglican or we're all Pentecostal or we're all Catholic or we're all this. It's not, it's not right. It's not God's best. God doesn't want the church that. God wants his church to be one, one people. Not what we believe that divides us, but what, but in whom we believe is what unites us. Hallelujah. Amen. Lord Jesus, I pray by your precious name, by your precious blood, by your precious body, Lord, by your precious spirit, Lord, that you bind your church together, Lord God. And let us be a people, Lord, please, that flow in your love, that we can love those that we wouldn't necessarily <laughs> always naturally be inclined to love. I pray, Lord God, that we can be a church that so loves one another that the world will look at us and go, those guys follow Jesus. In Jesus' name we ask it, Lord. Amen. Amen.